Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. seven billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the history of fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary. So many of you dress listeners may have heard of Lily Pulitzer, whose name is synonymous with those colorful, boldly patterned resort wear designs from the 1960s onwards. Less of you, however, may have heard of, if you're like me anyways, have heard of Susie Zuzek, who's the artist behind the majority of the fabrics employed by this iconic American fashion brand from 1962 to 1985. Zuzek's incredible contributions have remained largely overlooked until now. Today, we are pleased to welcome Susan Brown, Associate Curator of Textiles at the Cooper Hewitt Smithsonian Design Museum in New York City, where you will currently find the exhibition Susie Zuzek for Lily Pulitzer on view now until January 2nd. So, dress listeners, you still have a couple weeks to skip on over there. And uh, Susan joins us to discuss Zuzek's prolific body of work for Key West Handprint Fabric. That's the name of the company that she worked for. And over two decades, uh, Zuzek produced over 1,500 designs, many of which showed up in the designs of Lily Pulitzer, which was the company's biggest client. Lily Pulitzer herself said of Zuzek, quote, the fabulous success of the Lily look would not have been possible without Susie's whimsical and magical creations. She constantly amused me, not only by the genius of her art, but also the sheer numbers of designs she created. I couldn't wait to see what came next. And neither can we. So Susan, welcome to Dressed. Susan, hello. Welcome to Dressed. Oh, hello, Cassidy. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so nice to have you here to talk about this wonderful exhibition. And the exhibition credits Susie Zuzek's imaginative and engaging art with the success of the Lily Pulitzer brand, which I'm sure many of our dress listeners have heard of. And yet, I was so surprised to learn about Susie Zuzek's legacy. And prior to this exhibition, as the catalog reads, Zuzek's brilliant textile designs hid in plain sight. She was basically unattributed and uncredited to the person responsible for the Lily look. So this all changed upon the recent discovery of the archive of Zuzek's designs in 2014. And I would just love if you could tell us a little bit more about that discovery and how it came to inspire this exhibition. Yes, as you said, unfortunately, it was and still is very common in the fashion industry for textile designers to go unnamed. Early on, Lily Pulitzer admitted that she couldn't draw a thing and that she was very lucky to have found Key West handprint fabrics, but she never named Susie Zuzek as the designer of the prints that really came to define her fashions. And Susie was never recognized for the success her contribution to the success of the Lily Pulitzer brand. 
Fortunately, there was a copyright infringement case in 1963 um, where both the Lily Pulitzer shift dress and three of Susie Zuzek's textile designs were copied by another dress manufacturer. So after that, Key West Handprint Fabrics copyrighted all of its designs. So Zuzek's name appears on the copyright documents and in the salvage of the printed fabrics. So those together with the existing archives of her original drawings allow us to identify her designs today. And I just want to say that these are the types of stories we love to tell on dress because so many of these types of stories are lost to fashion history. We have so many, you know, well-known individuals who have multiple biographies about them, but it's really those individuals who worked behind the scenes of these bigger brands and labels that are just so incredible. And the fact that you've taken this time to resurrect Susie's impact and legacy, it's really part and parcel of what we do on Dress. So thank you so much for being here. So the catalog tells us that, quote, by coincidence, both the firms of Key West Handprint Fabrics and Lily Pulitzer had been founded by amateurs, which we'll get into in a little bit. And the only trained professional and proven talent in the mix was Susie Zuzek Dupuy. Before we learn all about this incredible partnership, I would love if we could get to know the players a little bit more, starting with the unlikely business partners behind Key West Handprint Fabrics, which was a silkscreen printing company founded in Key West, Florida in 1961. Yes. So the company was founded by four men, really, um, primarily Peter Pell and Jim Russell, who were a couple who both worked in the theater industry in New York City. Jim was a dancer and choreographer, and Peter was a stage manager and also the road manager for Cholula Bankhead for several years. In 1960, the two of them were working on a production of On the Town at the Coconut Grove Playhouse in Miami, and they went down to Key West to visit Walter Starkey, who was a former Broadway producer. Starkey was very interested in the historic preservation movement that was just gaining ground in Key West at the time. And Jim Russell was also very interested in um, design history and architecture history. And anyway, so Walter Starkey had recently bought Harbor House, which still stands on Front Street in Key West today as a historic landmark. But he was trying to get some small business established there. And he convinced Russell and Pell to take over this tiny screen print studio that was there, but not really thriving, shall we say. And then Bill Johnson, who became their business partner, owned the laundromat where they were going to heat set the inks on their screen prints in the very early days when they had this tiny little two table set up at Harbor House. I love it. And then I love that they're theater expats from New York first of all. And then there was another theater expat, Virginia Pierce, who was a costume designer who actually came, I think she moved there as well, right? And started selling a clothing line in the shop, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, Virginia Pierce had retired there with her husband and then her husband passed away and she, you know, was looking for something to take her mind off her grief, I think. And she called herself Vanda, which was a combination of her and her husband's names. And she designed all of the clothing for the Key West Handprint Fabrics shop, which had its own clothing line. And she also did the Vanda Originals, which was a kind of almost custom couture line that actually was more expensive than the Lily Pulitzer line of clothing, which was also sold at the shop. But because she was there, they would do small runs of more exclusive fabrics for her. They would do the prints on 
you know, Silk Chiffon or Wool Shally or something, whereas all of the uh, Lily Pulitzer prints were probably cotton blends. We're going to talk all about Lily Pulitzer in a minute, but first I want to talk about how, as Stark suggested to Russell and Pell, that they reach out to a local artist, Susie Zuzek, who the catalog tells us was at the right place at the right time to accept a job at the newly established Key West handprint fabric. She started working there almost immediately. So who was Susie Zuzek and how did she become an artist? Because as my understanding from reading the book, it was not necessarily a linear path. She has this kind of fascinating history. Yeah, so Susie grew up um, on a dairy farm just south of Buffalo, New York. She's one of a big family, and she loved to draw from a very early age. And all of her um, surviving children talk about how her siblings would kind of indulge her in that and save little scraps of paper for her and, you know, kind of make space for her, both emotionally and (laughs) physically, to um, stay warm behind the stove and do drawings. But it's I think very unlikely that she would have been able to go to college at all and certainly not go to college to study art if it had not been for the GI Bill. So Susie and her sister joined the WACS, the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps, in 1943. And after the war, they both moved to New York City to study at the Pratt Institute. Susie wanted to be a commercial illustrator but she was encouraged to study textile design and she was clearly very talented. Um, She graduated at the top of her class and she was getting freelance work as a textile designer in New York, even before she graduated. But shortly after graduating, she met a man from Key West and they married and started having children and he wanted to move back to Key West. So that's how she ended up there. Yeah, and I love this Key West because it seems like such an unlikely meeting ground for all of these people and all of these different players from around the country, apparently, who kind of converged in this area at the same place, same time to create this like beautiful partnership. One of these people was, of course, the company's star client, Lily Pulitzer, who came on board almost immediately in 1962. So who was Lily Pulitzer and how did she come to be the biggest client of Key West Handprint Fabrics? Yeah, Lily Pulitzer was a socialite. Um, She was the heir to one of the largest fortunes in America. Her family had been spending the season in Palm Beach for generations, but she and her husband, Peter, decided to make it their year-round home. Peter Pulitzer owned some citrus groves, and Lily decided to open a juice bar. And as the story goes, squeezing juices was wreaking havoc on her wardrobe. And so she asked her seamstress to make her up some simple shift dresses of her own design in busy, colorful prints that would hide the stains from this juice bar activity. Um, But pretty soon she was selling more dresses than juice to all of her friends who came to the juice bar and were just enchanted by what she was wearing. Uh, But when she decided to like really make a go of it as a fashion designer, she needed an actual supplier of fabrics and not just the local five and dime. Her mother and her sister had discovered this little boutique hand screen printer in Key West and Lily just fell in love with the designs. Yeah. And actually, I love it because you recount this story apparently about the first time that she came in in the catalog and you write that she marched in or I guess you're recounting somebody um, who who remembers this experience, but she, quote, marched in with a Gristides bag, dumped it on the counter and said, is this your 
stuff, expletive, we'll say stuff. Is this your stuff? Um, And then you write that two consistent points to this tale are that Pulitzer was barefoot and that she ordered 300 yards on the spot, increasing her order to 3,000 yards as soon as she got back to Palm Beach. So this is like almost a rapid meteoric partnership between these individuals that quickly, quickly garnered a lot of success. And I want to talk about why, because as we've already kind of alluded to, it's really Susie Zuzek's designs, her whimsical illustrations that are so magical and fun and joyful that led to the success of the Lily Pulitzer brand. In her 24 years with Key West Handprint Fabrics, Susie produced over 1,500 designs. And for listeners who might not be familiar with her work, I'd love if you could give us an idea of Susie's aesthetic and what made her design so special and singular, and maybe also where she found some of her inspiration. The original Susie Zuzek prints were so varied. I mean, she made patterns from everything, from cabbages to Roman coins and scrimshaw and weather vanes, seaweed, pirate ships, and of course, animals. She loved animals. She drew from life every day, everything around her, her pets, her garden, the cactus that grew in front of her house, and she would turn those into patterns. Her pet monkey, Trinket, appears in several designs, sometimes drinking a martini, Susie was an artist in many media. Um, She was also a sculptor and she used a lot of sea glass and driftwood in her artwork. So she would be scouring the beach for those materials. And while she was there, she would sketch the pelicans and sandpipers and crabs, but also more unexpected things like the lobster pots and fishnets and even the waves and the clouds. And her imaginative combinations of motifs really never failed to delight. And she had a very um, loose hand, which gives her designs a great vitality. And the prints were so unique that they became collectible almost immediately. And so people would, you know, line up to wait for the new prints to come in. And when they did come in, they would buy five shift dresses because they couldn't choose just one pattern. Susie's quoted as saying, there's really nothing different in this world. It's just the different twist you give a thing. And you write that the twist that she gave things was uniquely her own. And this can be demonstrated in, you know, fish wearing crowns or monkeys sipping martinis, as you said, strumming guitars, lounging lions. I mean, they're just so wonderful and so colorful because of the silk screening process, which really takes up almost the entire fabric. There really is no space left unfilled with Susie's designs. Yes. I love that you write that, quote, Zuzek was a generous designer who rewarded those who looked closely. Can you tell us what you mean by that? She was very aware that these fabrics would be seen from a distance and also up close. Um, So she always included some surprising details that were really just for the person wearing it. Designs that appeared to be one thing from a distance would be revealed to be something completely different when you got up close. So, you know, something that looked like a classic paisley pattern might turn out to be made up of walruses or a polka dot design would turn out to be, you know, puppy spots or the eyes of an owl or something different. She would kind of camouflage the animals within the pattern so you wouldn't see them at first, but then they would materialize before your eyes. It sounds like she really had a lot of fun with what she was doing. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> Lily used Susie's designs almost exclusively in the designs for her brand, which subsequently, as I already mentioned, became an almost overnight sensation. Can you give us an idea of how Lily incorporated Susie's prints to such success? You've mentioned her shift dresses. Those are probably the most famous uh, garment to be associated with the brand, but she had a huge range of offerings, actually. She did. The garment shapes were mostly classic country club sportswear, but it was the fact that they were made in these crazy, colorful prints that gave them their charm and humor and made them collector's items. It was a a youthful, casual aesthetic that seemed to strike the perfect tone for the times. It's kind of 50% prim and proper and 50% tongue-in-cheek. Pulitzer's classic silhouettes were crisp and tailored enough to look appropriate for any circumstance, but Zuzek's patterns made them unique and fun and very photogenic. The combination of those two things was instantly recognizable and therefore a social signifier, but yet somehow both ageless and timeless and was worn by women of all ages and men and children. It reflects a kind of casual elegance that perhaps was epitomized for many people by the Kennedy family. And Jackie Kennedy was a a big Lily Pulitzer promoter that's really never gone out of style. Yeah, and there's actually a wonderful essay in the catalog by fashion historian Caroline Moonblanks that talks about the Lily Pulitzer look and these shift dresses in particular and how they had this far-reaching effect at this time. So with Susie's designs, Key West handprint fabrics was undeniably instrumental in the meteoric success of Lily Pulitzer. But this was a mutually beneficial relationship. And as Zuzek put it, they made her and she made them. How did the company continue to grow and expand in the ensuing years with, but also beyond their continued collaboration with Lily? Because I think their partnership lasted until the mid-1980s. Yes, Lily Pulitzer was definitely Key West Handprint Fabric's biggest client. And together they expanded into menswear, a children's line, the unisex jeans, and a home goods line. Uh, But Key West Handprint Fabrics also provided fabrics to Roxanne Swimwear, for instance, um, and a number of smaller clothing manufacturers, in addition to supplying their own stores. So at its peak, Key West Handprint Fabrics had... 22 stores around Florida and up the East Coast with its own line of clothing designed by Vanda. And then the factory shop itself became a tourist attraction. um, I love that. In in the little boutique, they had a big picture window. um, So you could look through the window and see the fabrics being printed, or you could even go down onto the printing floor and talk to the printers while they were working. So by the 1970s, they had as many as 2,000 visitors a day just to see the brilliant, colorful spectacle of these prints coming off the tables. Yeah, and it's it's important to mention here, too, that silk screening in and of itself is this art form, right? These are hand silk screen printed fabrics that by 1970, they're converting more than a million yards of fabric per year. And it's all using this hand silk screen printed process, which is just incredible. And there's... There's really fun images in the book that that give us a glimpse through that window that you're talking about. So these huge long tables with fabric and then, you know, men on either side with those huge, the huge silk screen just printing the fabric. And it's yes. also 
you know, important to note that it wasn't always just one color that was being printed on the fabric. There was many different colorways. So it's just an incredible, incredible process. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more, that world out there is practically at the tip of your tongue. And that's right, dress listeners. For more than 30 years, Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning. There are no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which is incredible. You learn by immersion, and their programs are available to use on your desktop or as an app. And let's not forget that there is an amazing built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation so you learn the proper accent from the very start. For a limited time, dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. So things took a turn for the worse in the 1980s when a series of events led to the end of this two-plus decade-long collaboration between Susie, Lily Pulitzer, and Key West Handprint Fabrics. So can you tell us what happened? I can try. <laughs> it is a little complicated. It's a little complicated. It's kind of cascading bad luck. First, Peter Pell died very unexpectedly in an accident in 1981. And his shares in the company transferred to his life partner, Jim Russell. But Jim Russell soon became very ill and he died of AIDS-related complications in 1985. And then in 1984, Lily Pulitzer put out a collection called New Directions, which was all neutral colors and only one print. And at least according to the Key West folks, that was the death knell for the original Lily Pulitzer company. Bill Johnson, their business partner, um, when he retired, he had sold his shares in Key West Handprint Fabrics to Lily Pulitzer. So when her company went into Chapter 11 in 1985, she was the majority shareholder and she sold off Key West Handprint Fabrics, now one of her largest assets, basically to protect her trademark name, which is what she came away with out of that bankruptcy proceeding. Luckily, a group of Key West investors stepped in to save the company, which had become one of the largest employers in Key West. And as I said, a real anchor for the downtown tourist industry. So they didn't want to see it close. But it's important to mention that Susie Zuzek's archive was also sold at that time and she retired. So it kind of led to her legacy going into obscurity until 2014 when the archive was rediscovered. And now 2021, when you have produced this beautiful exhibition that is so celebratory of her work and is absolutely course correcting history. (laughs) Ultimately, what do you hope visitors will take away from this exhibition and Susie's work? As you mentioned before, um, for me as a textile curator, it was an opportunity to celebrate the craft of hand screen printing and to invite people to really look closely at how pattern works. So Susie's drawings appear so vivacious and spontaneous that it's easy to forget that they're also working drawings and they're just loaded with technical information. So that's 
a great opportunity for us as a museum that focuses on the design process to engage people in understanding that process. But mostly I think of the show as a tribute to the armies of creative people who work anonymously in the fashion industry and in many others. This story happens to be a particularly vivid and compelling example because the Lily look was so closely identified with those whimsical, wonderful prints. And those prints were so overwhelmingly the product of one person's imagination, Susie Zuzek's. But certainly every brand that is named for one person represents the work of dozens or hundreds of others. Yeah. And anytime you want to come back on and share any more of these stories and kind of textile designers who have been lost to history, you have a standing and open invitation. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. April, when you and I saw the exhibition this summer, it was astonishingly one of three fashion-related exhibitions on view at the Cuba Hewitt. We were so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And so at the same visit, we also had the pleasure of seeing the Contemporary Muslim Fashion and Willie Smith exhibitions, which was so cool. So bravo to the Cooper Hewitt for offering us such a diverse and colorful array of subject matter that really highlights this wide breadth of fashion. So I'm curious, April, do you have a favorite Susie Zuzak fabric from the exhibition or anything you like to share from your experience there? We had so much fun. (laughs) I know. So, I mean, obviously her florals are amazing. And I think that's kind of one of the things that the Lily look is kind of most known for. But I actually really adored some of her zoomorphic motifs. Yeah. She had a really sweet one that had walruses in it. There was another one with puffins. There was another one with rhinos. I just thought those were like really unexpected and very charming. Yeah. And we talked about that in the interview, Susan and I, about how from far away, you can't even tell how much detail goes into some of these prints. And then you get up close and they're so fun and wonderful and magical. So, so, so much wonder and magic in Susie Zuzek's designs. And I just absolutely had no idea about, you know, the art and artistry that went into each and every one of these designs and creations. So from Susie's designs to the silkscreen process itself, who knew that Lily Pulitzer customers were walking pieces of art? Right? (laughs) So dress listeners, if you have any vintage Lily Pulitzer pieces in your closet, there's a good chance that you also have a Susie Zuzek design hand silkscreen by Key West Handprint Fabrics in your closet. You know, to confirm, you might just want to pop over to the exhibition, which is now on view until January 2nd, 2022. And if you can't make it to the show, be sure and get your hands on a copy of the beautiful exhibition catalog, which is chock full of Susie's beautiful, vibrant patterning. It's such a fun read. Uh, It's the perfect reminder of summer in these off-dreary winter months and a perfect holiday gift, a visual feast for the eyes. So check it out. That does it for us today, dress listeners. May you consider the origins of the textiles in your closet next time you get dressed. Remember, we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to email us, you can do so at dress at iheartmedia.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at dress underscore podcast, where you'll find images accompanying each week's episodes. You can follow us on Facebook at dress podcast without the underscore. And if you have a moment and want to take the time to rate and review us on your podcast listening platform of choice, we always appreciate your support. And as always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pagram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes the show possible each and every week. More dress coming your way on Tuesday. Dressed? 
The History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.